Hey everybody, welcome back to the Four Pillars of Life podcast. I am your host, Bobby Bazran. On this week's podcast episode, I wanted to talk about the aspect of prayer. My brother came into town about a week or two ago to visit us. He works out in Texas right now. And during this time, we spent time with our family. We played ping pong. We worked out. And on most days, we stayed up until, I think, three in the morning, just talking about life. I kind of like how he comes as a visitor now because I'm able to give him my undivided attention. Before, when he lived here, we would hang out, but we were both busy with our own lives. But now, when he comes, I could just take three to four days off and spend time with him. But it's always sad when him or his family comes because it's always tough to say goodbye. Each and every single day, you create these beautiful and loving memories and experiences. But as each day passes, it's another day closer until you have to say goodbye. But regardless, we had an amazing time. And on one of the nights when we were up until three in the morning, just talking about life, we started talking about God and religion and prayer. And then a question popped into my mind. Why do people pray? And to me, there's different reasons why people pray. People can pray because they follow their religion or they saw their parents do it or they went to church as a young kid and now they're just used to it. But one reason why I think people pray is because it's a coping mechanism. It helps us provide reassurance, optimism, and faith over a life that things will work out in our favor. Right now, if you're sitting on an airplane and that plane starts to experience turbulence, it's moving up and down, left and right, instantly our first thought is to pray because that situation is simply out of our control. We can't control if that plane is going to crash into the ocean or crash into the mountain. So we pray because it helps us cope with life. It helps us cope with that situation. But for me, I always like to understand both sides of anything, any argument, any polarizing topic. And on this side, I want to understand why people don't like the aspect of praying. Why don't people believe in it? And it's okay if some people don't believe in the aspect of prayer. It's okay if some people don't believe in God or religion. That's totally fine. But one of the main reasons why I think people don't like the aspect of praying is because they think in their minds, you simply can't sit on your hands and pray for a better quality life. You need action behind those prayers. Those people think in their minds that if you want a better quality life, you can't sit there and ask for it. You have to work hard. You have to sacrifice. You have to be committed. And I totally understand that. Right now, if you were addicted to drugs, you simply couldn't pray yourself out of that situation. The praying would help, but you would have to develop mental toughness. You would have to put yourself in a better environment. You would have to go to rehab. So it's not enough to simply pray. You have to have action behind those prayers. There's a beautiful story that coincides here perfectly, and it's a story of how Will Smith became the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We all know Will Smith today as one of the most prolific actors in the world. But before he was an actor, he was a rapper. And he was a very successful one at that. His first album went platinum. But then he started to party. He started to hang out with the wrong group of friends. He started to drink. And he stopped working on his craft. His second album shit the bed. Luckily, he had a friend on the police force that told him, hey, the group of people that you are hanging out with They're about to be raided by the FBI. 
If I was you, I would get out of town. But Will Smith had no money. During this time, he didn't know to pay his taxes properly, so he owed a lot of money to the IRS. Luckily, he went up to one of his friends and asked to borrow some money. His friend gave him $10,000. The next day, Will Smith went to LA with his girlfriend. When he got there, he got a phone call. The friend that gave him that $10,000 was shot dead. Will Smith was devastated. He was dealing with so much pain and anger and grief, failures and rejections. So he stayed in his apartment for about a month. His then girlfriend came up to him and said, Hey, the money that we had, it's no longer here. We spent it all. What are you going to do about it? Will Smith, he was dumbfounded. He said, what do you mean, what am I going to do about it? She said, what are you going to do about it? I know you're angry. I know you have went through this tragic moment and you're filled with pain and grief. But whatever you're looking for, you are not going to find it here. Go out, go network, go down to the Arsenio Hall show. And at the time, the Arsenio Hall show was a very famous show where a lot of people went backstage, they networked, they communicated. So Will Smith took his friend and went down to the Arsenio Hall show for months, meeting people, networking, communicating, exchanging numbers. After about a few months, he met a guy named Benny Medina. Benny Medina told him, hey, I'm looking to start this show up. I would love for you to be a part of it. Will Smith didn't think too much of it. They exchanged numbers and went their own ways. When Will Smith was in Detroit, he got a phone call from a guy named Quincy Jones, one of the biggest TV producers in the world. Quincy said to him, hey, you met my friend Benny Medina. We're thinking about creating a show together. We would love for you to be a part of it. Come to my party. It's out in L.A. So Will Smith took a flight from Detroit to L.A. He met Quincy Jones. They hit it off. They talked. And then Quincy Jones handed him a script. He said, this is a show we're thinking of doing. It's called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We would love for you to be a part of it. Will Smith said, all right, man, thank you so much for the opportunity. You know, give me a few days, give me a few weeks, and I'll come back and we'll speak about it. He said, no, I'm already here. The other executives are already here as well. Take this script, go into that room. You have 10 minutes, come back out and audition in front of us. Will Smith said, man, I can't do that. I'm going to at least need a few days. He said, this is your opportunity. Don't blow it. Go in that room, practice this script and come out. Will Smith took his opportunity. He went into that room and came out 10 minutes later and auditioned in front of Quincy Jones and other big-time executives. That night, Quincy Jones signed Will Smith to the first pilot episode and the first season. And to me, in my personal opinion, that is a show that propelled Will Smith's acting career. And the reason why I share that story is to illustrate my point. Faith without work is non-existent. Will Smith didn't simply sit on his hands and pray for a better life. No, not at all. During his moments of failures, rejections, setbacks, grief, and pain, he continued to work hard. He went down to the Arsenio Hall show for months. He took that opportunity of doing an audition in front of Quincy Jones and other top-end executives on a 10-minute notice. Sometimes you have to understand, God is working for you and not against you. He is not trying to break you. He is trying to build you. The moment you were born, God instilled a tailor-made purpose inside of you. So he knows exactly what you need to go through in order to accept, sustain, and thrive in your purpose. And you have to understand that. 
He is saying your name in rooms that you haven't even stepped in. He is sending people to help you with your purpose. All you have to do is show up, work hard, and never give up. And what is for you will never pass you by. When you start to pray, you feel liberated because somebody has your back, whether it's God, the universe, karma, or energy. You understand somebody or something is watching you and helping you. You understand that you are not walking this path alone, that something above yourself is going to help you. Whether you believe in God or karma or energy, if you don't like religion or praying, that's fine. But when you believe in something that is above yourself, that's when you'll have faith that things will work out in your favor. You have to understand in life, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of unknown. And when we stress and worry about the unknown or uncertainty, that's when we live with fear, anxiety, depression, anger, and frustration. When you control what's in your control and you have faith over the rest, that's when you'll live with more happiness, peace, and joy. It takes the same amount of energy to be pessimistic than it does to be optimistic. Take religion out of it. Take God out of it. Take praying out of it. This is a mind frame. This is a mindset of having good quality thoughts that things will work out in your favor. If you're sitting there and expecting the worst, why don't you sit there and expect the best? What difference does it make? If you are going to sit there and think things will not work out in your favor, why don't you sit there and think things will work out in your favor? I just watched American Underdog, the story about Kurt Warner. And to me, it's one of the most motivating underdog stories in all of pro sports. Ever since he was a kid, Kurt Warner wanted to become the Super Bowl MVP and win the Super Bowl. Ever since he saw Joe Montana do it. And you probably have a 1-2% to chance of making the NFL if you play NCAA. Kurt Warner played in Northern Iowa. A Div 2 school. Not even a Div 1 school. A Div 2 school. He went undrafted. After two years of being out of college, Green Bay signed him to a deal. He lasted two days in training camp and got cut. He was devastated, but he never gave up. He never stopped working on his craft. He started to play arena football. He got married. He had two stepkids. One was blind. As a family, they didn't have that much money. His wife wanted to go to university to become a nurse, but they barely had enough money to pay the bills. So he started working at a local grocery store to pay the bills and put his wife in university. Think about that. This guy had dreams of going into the NFL and he was working at a grocery store. He was telling his coworkers that one day he was going to be in the NFL. Things took a turn for the worst when his mother-in-law and father-in-law died in a tornado. He was devastated. His wife was devastated. He sat up on a hotel bed and prayed to God, please help me. Please help me figure it out. Then he goes into the arena championship game, loses, devastated again. But then a scout came to that game and said, we want to sign you. He was a coach of the St. Louis Rams. He signed that contract, went to training camp, and the offensive coordinator hated his guts. He didn't want him to play a single minute. They already had their starting quarterback, Trent Green, but the coach loved him. He loved something about him, his passion. Even though the offensive coordinator hated him, the coach still signed him to a contract as a backup quarterback. 
He was ecstatic. The first preseason game of 1999, Trent Green gets injured. Kurt Warner is next in line. In that season, in 1999, Kurt Warner leads him to the Super Bowl, wins the MVP of the league, wins the Super Bowl, and wins the Super Bowl MVP. Throughout his NFL career, he made millions of dollars. He won two MVPs. He was a four-team All-Pro. This guy played football in Northern Iowa. He had probably a 0.2 chance of making the NFL, let alone winning a Super Bowl. He was broke. He worked at a grocery store. He went through so many traumatic experiences throughout his lifetime, but he never gave up on his craft. The reason why I share these stories is because throughout your lifetime, you will go through moments of setbacks, failures, rejections, uncertainty, grief, and pain, but don't give up. One thing that has helped me cope with that uncertainty is praying, because when you pray, you understand that something is above yourself. You understand that you are not in control of everything. And when you pray, you feel this sense of relief because now you don't have to worry and stress about everything. You control what's in your control, who you are as a person, what you do, what your actions are, what your values are, and you leave the rest up to that higher power, whether it's God, energy, karma, fate, faith, or destiny. Don't let something you can't control, control you. Live with more happiness, peace, and joy by controlling what's in your realm and having optimism and faith that things will work out in your favor. When you're stuck, when you feel like giving up, when you feel like quitting, pray. That's the best advice I could give you guys when you're going through those moments. Thank you guys for listening. Please tune in next time. Hey, came in the game, get money. Flip chicks, whip, get money.